Okay. Hello. Nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you in real life. Yeah, I'm Jamon Jordan. Nice okay, to meet you. Junior. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Well, let me know when you're ready, and I will start. I am ready. Let's be at the first site. I'm Kerry Jr. the second for the Detroit Free Press, and for this episode, I was back walking the streets of Detroit. So, um, welcome everybody. Um, this is my North End, or a portion of my North End tour. We'll be hitting about five or six sites. I was in the North End neighborhood outside of Northern High School on Woodward. The North End, of course, is a historic neighborhood on the near east side of the city of Detroit. So we're just east of Woodward. In fact, Woodward is right here in front of us. Jamon Jordan was leading the way. He's the founder of the Black Scroll Network History and Tours Company, where he gives walking tours of the city. And he's a pretty important figure in Detroit especially after last month. Way too many times in this city. Lots of books, uh, lots of histories written. But there's a large chunk of this city's history that hasn't been uh, properly recorded. The African-American contribution and experience in this city. In October, Jamon was named the Detroit City Historian. He's the first of his kind, and he has served as an unofficial city historian for years. He's been focused on researching, preserving, and sharing all the stories that haven't been told here and plans to continue that work in his new role. Jamon has a very special gift for this work. We existed before America did. We have an amazing history that includes all cultures, and he's going to be helping us to celebrate that and teach that. Ladies and gentlemen, our first city of Detroit historian, Jamon Jordan. And he's actually making some history himself while doing it. Um, But the most famous graduate of this school is William Robinson. And you don't know him by his name, William Robinson. You know him as Smokey Robinson. This week, Jamon won't be sharing stories of old Detroit history. Instead, he's sharing his story with us. This is On The Line. So it's not even fair for most of the brothers to go to this school. Yeah, I mean, if I went here, I would have had to transfer to Central. Would you introduce yourself? My name is um, Jamon Jordan. For this story, we worked with my friend Courtney Wise Randolph, who is a writer and journalist and independent media startup, Detour Detroit. I am the historian and tour leader for Black Scroll Network History and Tours, and I am the uh, official historian for the city of Detroit. Courtney was on the mic when we spoke to Jamon in our podcast studio in the Free Press newsroom. We spoke with him via video chat. Were you born and raised in Detroit? Yes, I was born and raised in the city of Detroit, right at the border of Detroit and Highland Park. So um, so if you know the streets, Inverness and Bayless and, and, and Lawton and, and um, those streets, uh, LaSalle, well, that neighborhood um, is where I grew up. So much of the neighborhood today, many of those streets and those blocks that I grew up on, there's a house and then... An empty lot, empty lot, empty lot, and then another house, and then an empty lot. But that wasn't my experience growing up. Every one of those houses were still there. Every one of those houses were filled with people, including children. So the streets would be filled with children and, and all, all the time that it was daytime. And so where you're walking, there's people everywhere. There's uh, adults on porches. Everywhere you're walking, people are looking at you. They see you. So you're always um, being watched, whether you know it or not by the adults in the neighborhood. 
So it wasn't a chance of me going outside, doing something silly, doing and thinking that my, my grandmother and mother weren't going to find out because one of the other adults in the neighborhood were going to tell my mother and grandmother what I did when I was outside. Devon's home was also on the edge of Highland Park, where his grandmother lived. And he went to schools in both neighborhoods at different times. The elementary school I attended for um, two years was Halley. And then I went to Highland Park schools. I went to Liberty Elementary. I went to Henry Ford Middle School in Highland Park. And then I also went to Post Middle School in, in Detroit. What were your teachers like? Did you, did you learn Black history in school? Or did you pick it up on your own? Well, I have to say probably my whole school career, really, was predominantly African-American teachers. And it wasn't solely African-American teachers, but uh, my kindergarten teacher, Miss Posey, was a Black woman. But I remember her trying to teach us Black culture. So she was teaching us some of the um, songs, some of the dances, some of the chants that the African-Americans created from... Um, the spirituals go down Moses all the way to um, Hambone. What the teachers have done in Detroit and Highland Park Public Schools is they have what was called um, Black Heritage Day. Most teachers were limited to Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Harriet Tubman, um, George Washington Carver. But there were a few teachers who went above and beyond that. Um, I had a teacher... She was Miss Harrison then, but she's Miss Mims now. She's my fifth grade teacher. And she bought us um, um, these, she bought books. So they were about um, Black people's spiritual ideas when they were enslaved, how they held on to their culture. She bought, she bought books that um, talked about uh, um, African kings and queens. And so I didn't know it then. I just thought this was just, you know, normal school. I didn't know that this was, you know, something... Um, that I would end up really um, being interested in later on in my life. By the time I got to middle school, it became clear that there were Black teachers, particularly Black women teachers, who were, they had taken on teaching as a mission. You leave with a, 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 a some agency with a mission to do something for your community. It was a theme at his school and one that would have a great impact on where he is now. By, by the time it's in, we're in middle school, we know that, um, that you ought to be proud to be black and you ought to be doing something uh, or learning something that's important to the whole community. No, many people don't know what they're going to do. When does the shift happen in you where you recognize that you're going to take on this mission yourself? Well, I wasn't a great student. I'm going to be clear about that. So when I get to um, my senior year, it's clear that I'm not going to graduate on time. I don't have enough credits to graduate on time. Mm. So I have to um, um, go to adult ed to finish. Um, when I um, ended up having to go to adult ed, um, it forced a few changes. Now, one is by this point, I'm kind of been studying and reading um, books about the Black Panther Party, about Marcus Garvey. Of course, I listen to a lot of hip hop, and a lot of hip hop is talking about this, 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 this Black history. That's the kind of music that I'm listening to um, in the mid to late '80s. And so um, I'm writing reports and doing presentations in my um, adult ed class about this stuff. 
because um, it's so interesting. And uh, I graduate and uh, I attend Western Michigan University. I triple major in Black Studies, American Studies, and Sociology. Um, and um, I, by, in, and on campus, I was an activist. Um, and when I graduated, I came back to the city of Detroit as a social studies teacher. Jamon taught social studies at a few schools before he eventually landed a position as a teaching assistant at Insaroma Institute Public School Academy. There, Black American and African-centered history and culture are already in the curriculum. And so that part was not the issue. But a lot of Detroit history was missing. And that has been in every school that I've ever taught at. Detroit's Black history is not a major part of the Black history story. And so I began to add that to my um, teaching. Um, How Detroit is a part of the Black Power Movement, of the Underground Railroad, of the Civil Rights Movement, of music. It wasn't part of anybody's curriculum to tell all this rich Detroit Black history. So I had to come up with it. And the best way that I thought to come up with it was to take them to the places where this history happened. And as I um, left Insaroma and was at other schools, um, I did the same thing at those schools. Um, And the parents are coming too, because parents are chaperones on some of the trips. Some of them are grandparents. I'm 50, 60, whatever. And I've been here my whole life and I never knew this. And so they're telling people. And so now people are calling me and saying, I hear you got a field trip with the students on Friday. Can I come? And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> you just can't come on a field trip with children. That ain't how it works. <laughs> um, so I began doing this on the weekends and in the summers for those people who aren't a part of my class. And that's how his tour company, Black Scroll Network, came to be. He's been doing it full time since 2016. After the break, Jamon's plans for his role as Detroit's first official historian. Hi, my name is Phoebe Wall Howard, and I am an automotive reporter at the Detroit Free Press. This year, we have covered an incredible range of stories, people, products, business trends, everything about cars and the people who design them, as well as the people who buy them, whether it's the Ford F-150 all-electric Lightning or the Mustang Mach-E, the hot little Maverick, or a profile on the chief engineer, Linda Zhang, who plans to transform the industry with her vision of electrification. We also do profiles of executives behind the scenes, how things come to be, and in the case of Ford Motor Company, why Oreo cookies played such a major role in the development of truck design. Many, many people reach out and ask, how can we support your work or how can we read more about this? And one of the easiest ways is to subscribe to the Detroit Free Press. We are the most reasonably priced in the whole country. For $1, you can receive six months of digital access for all of my work and that of my team on the autos coverage, as well as news, politics, education here at the Detroit Free Press. To learn more, head to freep.com backslash special offer. Thanks so much. We're back, and Courtney Wise Randolph is talking with historian Jamon Jordan about his new role for the city. Okay, so 
now you're the official historian for the city of Detroit, which is a huge deal to a black Detroiter like myself. Why is it so significant that you now hold this role? Well, the thing is that there are a number of cities do, that do have official historians. Um, and um, so I, I, but I do want to be clear. This is a very monumental thing that the city of Detroit has created this position um, because what it says is, is that Detroit is, is valuing its history to the degree that they're going to promote the teaching of it to Detroiters first, but to the world in general. Many people talk about Detroit or even come to see and visit the city of Detroit with their own presuppositions about Detroit, about its history, about its greatness or its lack thereof. But what we have to do is have our own story, our own narrative of what the city of Detroit's history has been. And the, fa the fact that the city of Detroit now has a historian to do that is a big deal. And so I I'm, I'm highly honored to be the inaugural um, person in the position of the um, official historian for the city of Detroit. So that's, I want to say that first. And the second thing I want to say is that Detroit's history is this connection. So there's no way to talk about the we talk about the French who arrived here in 1701 without talking about way before 1701, there were these indigenous people. You can't talk about Cadillac arriving in 1701 and not talk about the people who were here before Cadillac. That history is important, too. And we ought to be talking about that. And since I um, worked on another project this summer where I was writing about Belle Isle and I don't even think that. I think there are just a couple of sentences on the Detroit Historical Society's encyclopedia on their website that even mention that there are people here before Cadillac gets here. And that's the Detroit Historical Society. So you calling out institutions that have existed for quite some time before you even exist in the world. Should I say correct in the history or really filling in the gaps in the history? So what, how? Yeah, I would say expanding the narrative. Hmm, expanding the narrative. And for me, listening to you tell that story, it's also really important that, particularly with those tours you call the Underground Railroad, because it also implies that though the institution of slavery that was here in Detroit, the black people, those Africans that were enslaved were not okay with it the entire time. They were resisting this institution. So that's also really important. The shorthand of it is that slavery is, is white people's history. The resistance to slavery is black history. So I, I teach both. You, you, I think everybody needs to know both. I, I don't think anyone should be teaching about slavery without teaching the fact that black people resisted it from the beginning, from the, fact, from the time that they're, they're being put, before they're being put on slave ships, and it is that fight, that struggle that creates a community. In the city of Detroit, the black community in Detroit is founded from that resistance, that fight against slavery. That's how you get a black community in the city of Detroit. This, did, did people ever question you and your knowledge? All the time. <laughs> so all the time, all the time. And I, let me be clear. I'm not that, that angry about challenges, particularly about issues of fact. You know, if I say something happened in 1928 and it turns out it actually happened in 1929, well, I like to be corrected on that. Um, so, and and this is these are issues that all historians have to deal with. What I'm much more um, um, defensive about and, and much more argumentative about 
is issues of narrative. When people don't want me to talk about black history. So, so now we got a problem. People don't want me to talk about the fact that some great um, person was a slave owner uh, and he got a school or, or a street named after him. But uh, people who want me to leave certain history out, that's a problem. If history doesn't make you uncomfortable at some point, then it's not history. History is not here just to make us all feel proud about what our ancestors did. That's part of history. That is a part of the story of history. But history is also here to make us uncomfortable, to make us angry, to make us sad, to make us um, willing to um, um, try to do something to change what was done by previous generations. That's what history ought to also do. And if it's not doing all of those things, then it ain't really history. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not willing to back down from those kinds of arguments where people are trying to tell me to stop telling a particular story or, or leave this part of the story out. That's a problem. What's your vision for this role? So I want to connect these histories of all these different groups of people, the institutions, the businesses that all come out of that. I want to connect that part. But I also want to connect the, the telling of our story. So I want to work with indigenous historians and um, um, Latinx historians and Latinx activists who are telling the story of Southwest Detroit and the indigenous um, um, settlements that were in Detroit prior to the French arriving. I want to I want I want to work with the people who tell that story and I want to combine and connect with the institutions, the other historians, the other griots, the other storytellers of many different communities besides the African-American community. But I also want to talk to other historians in the African-American community. I ain't the only one. There are people who are doing this way before me, and there are people who are doing it at the same time that I'm doing it. And I have to work with them as well because many of them hold stories that ought to be told. And so that's my plan. Connect these stories and connect the institutions that are endowed with the right and the power and privilege to tell these stories. Did you have another question? Um, do we know if there do other cities have black historians? And is, oh. it, is it like precedent to have that? And, and are you breaking kind of a mold here to be one of the first black historians, like official black historians of the city? So I'm breaking a mold for particularly for the city of Detroit because Detroit has never had a official historian. So I'm definitely breaking the mold. And I guess I definitely am breaking the mold because I'm not only the first historian, official historian for the city of Detroit, but of course I'm the first historian of color. So that's important. But there are other historians of cities. In some cases they're officials, in some cases they're unofficial, but they're kind of recognized as the as the person. What's really interesting, and I know that this, this goes for all of us as we live in, in the world because we're all black people creating history. It's like you are black history. You being in this role specifically as a black historian is black history, which I just find is very interesting. Yeah, I have to admit that I'm not quite as comfortable with being a part of history as I am in talking about and teaching about history. So I like teaching about it. I'm not quite as comfortable with being a part of the history itself. But as I said earlier, if history doesn't make you uncomfortable, then it's not really history. Yeah, I guess you got to get used to it. Right. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Jamal. We really appreciate it. Big thanks to Courtney Wise Randolph for holding down the mic this time and to Detour Detroit. 
This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Tad Davis. Angela Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers. And Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks as always for listening. And if you'd like the show, leave a rating and subscribe. It really makes a difference. See y'all next week.